there are many things that you do well, and the siren is not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, you know you can't be good at everything. Uh -huh. Is that the siren of uh, of like the um, like big party siren? Like meh. No, it's not that slow. Okay. It's like uh, you hear it in a, at the beginning of like a lot of rap songs. You know, like it's like a. Yeah, I don't know. Now I don't feel like I'm doing it right. I would know if I listen to rap songs, but I don't. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, I'll find it for you and send it to you as an example. And then you can be like, okay, Cody was doing that moderately well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we start the show, I've got a message of our first sponsor, and it is our good friends at Thinkful. If you hate your job, we can quit it. You can become a developer or a data scientist with Think4 instead. Think4 is an online education platform that offers fast-paced learning, take you from beginner to job ready in six months or your tuition back. Start off the new year by pursuing your dream career in tech. Go to think4.com slash iOS for a 600-hour scholarship. That's think4.com slash iOS. Terms and conditions apply. So you're back in, you said you're back in France? I'm back in France, indeed. How was that really long flight and then the really long drive? Oh, man, that was excruciating. Okay, so eight-hour flight, eight or nine-hour? I can't even remember flight. And it's overnight, and I didn't sleep right. at all because I was just not tired. And, you know, like kids don't really sleep, so I'm not sleeping. And then land in Paris, you know, wait, go for custom, wait for luggage, uh, drive to pick up my car at the parking lot. Takes about an hour, then drives an hour to go visit my family, my cousin, who just got a baby. And uh, he, and I didn't want to stay too long because I wanted to hit the road, but he made us lunch, like a huge, like super heavy, you know, kind of winter uh -huh. heavy lunch. I'm like, crap, you know, I don't want to have lunch. I want to hit the road. But we hit lunch because, you know, it's a polite thing to do. We hit lunch. We eat lunch. And uh, then we took the road. It's like a four hour drive. And that was when the the exhaustion hit me really, really hard. Take the freeway and it's just a long, straight line, you know, four-hour drive home. And uh, and uh, at one point, I really, really, really scared myself. I was so tired, I almost fell asleep. And uh, eventually made it back home. Um, as soon as I got home, I looked at my watch and it told me that I had only 5,000 steps for the day and uh, barely had half of my rings closed. So I powered through it, put some walking shoes, put my joggings on, and went for an hour walk to get the remaining of my steps, closed all my rings, took a shower, ate some food, and crashed in bed. That was that was an excruciating day. Wow. That's impressive that you still got your steps in, even though you were so exhausted. That's Every single day. That's a mark day. of somebody. Yeah, that's a mark of somebody that's like really committed. Because it would be so easy, especially if you're that tired and not sleeping the previous night, to just be like, ah, I'll take a quick nap and maybe get them. Or... Yeah, the thing that I've noticed with that is that you can't have any excuses. You know, like right. if you start making excuses for yourself or that kind of things, um, it, then you're going to find excuses every other day. And, you know, today the excuse is I'm, I'm so tired. You know, I didn't sleep. I haven't slept in 36 hours. Uh, and then tomorrow you're going to give it, yourself more slack. Well, you know, I slept last night, but I had a bad day. I just want to relax. And, and then you find more and more excuses. And uh, I don't want to start doing this because it's a, it's a downward spiral if you start doing this. I think in my case for this specific um, thing that I'm doing, like walking every day. Um, so your, you know, your, your miles may vary for that kind of stuff. But I know my, my mother-in-law, like she's got um, back problems. And I'm telling same thing as me, sciatica and stuff. And I'm telling her, like, you should walk. She's like, well, yeah, I walked, you know. Uh, but then it started being cold and the other day it was raining. I was like, well, that then, you know, like, don't complain that, don't complain that your back hurts because this is like part of the solution, but you're not willing to, to go in the cold or in the rain to make it happen. Um, so yeah, no excuses. <laughs> so yeah, I told my mother-in-law to, <laughs> to toughen up. <laughs> I I kind of I didn't I kind of did you know like very gracefully, and then the next day it was pouring rain, and while they were all still asleep, that that was last week when I was still in the U.S. It was pouring rain, and I was they were all still asleep, and I was up, and I took a rain jacket, my father-in-law's rain jacket, and I went for a walk, and it was pouring like the, I mean you know you live in the Midwest, like the right. water just like pouring 
pouring, pouring. Right. Some some woman at some point. <laughs> that was so funny. Uh, some so I was I had my earpods on, earpods on, so I couldn't really hear like you know sound around me. But all of a sudden, like a car like pours right next to me, like a big truck. And kind of freaks me out because, you know, there's nobody in the street. It's pouring rain and, and this car like shows up and the woman drops the window, lowers the window. And she's like, can I give you a ride somewhere? Where, where are you going? I'm like, well, I'm actually walking to McDonald's just, to get just some, walking. <laughs> I'm walking to McDonald's to get coffee because that's the only place you can get coffee in this place. Anyway, so I'm saying and she said, do you want me to give you a ride? I said, no, I'm actually doing this for fun. <laughs> and she looked at me like, huh? what <laughs> you're crazy dude it's pouring rain outside what are you doing walking outside for fun but um that's the state of mind i get into when i walk i guess well that's cool yeah um either way you're back in france and i just i don't envy that long journey though i just imagine it like a montage of a movie with maybe like toto's africa playing in the background while you go through all these various legs of your trip mm-hmm. no it's not pretty okay um Let's see here. Probably something we should talk about, and that's uh, this uh, this financial thing that Apple had going on this week that erased a lot of its market cap, uh, required an open letter from Tim Cook to all investors, then it required a email, internal email to all employees, and then it even uh, required a all-hands-on meeting with Tim Cook for employees. So um, probably something we should talk about here. It is uh, Apple for the first time since I followed them uh, closely and really the first time in the iPhone era. I mean, I think it was 2002 the last time they had to do this. And it's it's called uh, adjusting your uh, forecasts, right? So basically they were projecting every, every, every three months is a quarter in like business terms. And at the end of every three uh, months – Companies will um, do what they call earnings reports, and that just lets you know how the company did uh, over those past three months. I think it's only for public com- companies, right. but you see them from all the major ones, right? Apple does it. We cover it live on the blog um, uh, every quarter, and uh, Microsoft does it. Google does it. Everybody does it. And at you know, in in addition to talking about how the, your performance was over the previous quarter, you project how you're going to do over the next quarter. It's to kind of give investors and people like that analysts an idea of how you think you're going to perform and apple for a long time they had a really good spot of uh under promising and over delivering so they could say okay we're going to sell 10 million iphones and then they'd sell 20 million iphones after that and they would just crush it and they were kind of a darling of wall street for that reason this this fantastic growth well again we'll go back to it for the first time since 2002 apple had to mid-quarter right because the holiday quarter uh uh, it's, I guess it's technically over, but they're, uh, they don't, not going to do earnings until the end of January for the holiday quarter. And they had to come out and say, Hey, we, uh, we messed up. We, we thought we were going to make between 89 and I think it's 94 billion. Uh, I've actually got the numbers right here between 80, between 89 and 93 billion. And they had to adjust it and say, we, now we only think we're going to make $84 billion. So that's $5 billion less than the bottom area they were looking at for projected revenue. But it's also um, $9 billion less than the top end of what their projection was. So it's basically saying, we're not going to make near as much money as we thought we were. And that kind of thing tends to freak people out. And as you can see from the stock price... Uh, and just kind of the fallout. On, if, if you're listening to this podcast, if you read IDB, chances are you've seen this in other places um, where people are talking about what's going to happen with Apple because it seems like something that we've kind of known, right? We've kind of known this for a while. iPhone sales have peaked, and that's probably worth mentioning too, right? That's what Tim Cook blames us on is a weaker economy in China. There's obviously the growing trade wars between the U.S. and China. They kind of add to that. Uh, but really what it boils down to is Apple didn't sell near as many iPhones as it thought it would. It didn't do as well in China as it thought it would. But it really just – people didn't upgrade to the new phones, the iPhone XS, the um, iPhone XS Max, the uh, and the iPhone XR. They're just – they didn't sell nearly as many of these. So that's kind of where we're at. If if I missed something during that brief summary that was kind of like convoluted, uh, let me know here. Um, well, I think – you 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 went over this very briefly, but the 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 letter uh, to investors that uh, Tim right. Cook signed and was published on um, on Apple's website was like 
over a thousand words long. It wasn't something just a short statement saying, "Hey, just to let you know, we're gonna miss our uh, our projection estimates uh, this quarter." They, it was a super detailed explanation uh, of what happened, and uh, China was mentioned uh, as it is often uh, everywhere, especially for Apple. Um, but um, Tim Cook gave four major reasons to what happened. And the first one, which I think is very interesting and, and, and it was good to, that it was listed as the first one because um, it's something that can be overlooked very easily, is uh, the launch timing uh, that um, between the iPhone 10 and the iPhone 10s. Uh, the iPhone 10 actually, even though it shipped in 2017, it shipped for fi- for uh, Apple, financially speaking, it shipped in Q1 of 2018 for Apple, whereas the iPhone XS shipped in Q4 of 2018. Again, these are financial quarters. They're not calendar quarters, but financial quarters for Apple. Um, so uh, looking at the year-over-year um, growth of iPhone from one quarter to another, well, since they were not released at the same time, you can't really compare these quarters um, because, you know, one iPhone was launched in quarter one and, and the other one was not launched in quarter one of the following year. It was launched in quarter four of the same year. So that kind of messes up, um, I think, Apple's... Um, uh, that's an explanation for Apple's uh, numbers being disappointing compared to the previous year, but that doesn't expand. That, that, that doesn't explain how they missed their own estimates. But that kind of give an explanation of why um, these numbers can look disappointing if you really compare quarter over quarter, year over year. Um, the second explanation he gave was uh, the strength of the Dow. Uh, the Dow is super, super, super strong uh, these these days, um, which in turns. Uh, for uh, for Apple products bought overseas uh, when converted to DAOs, uh, that amounts for actually less DAOs than it would if the DAO was super weak. Um, uh, he noted also as part of the reason why Apple missed its um, its estimate or had to re- re- readjust its estimates, supply constraints for uh, uh, Apple Watch, iPad Pro, AirPods, <laughs> which, let me remind you, have been on the market for two years now, and MacBook Air. So apparently Apple couldn't make enough Apple Watches, couldn't make enough iPad Pros, couldn't make enough AirPods, and couldn't make enough MacBook Air on time um, to satisfy the the demand for, for this product. And I, I actually you know firsthand, like looking at the Apple Watch, uh, series four stainless steel. This one is actually super, still very hard to get. And we are like, what, two or three months, um, into the launch of this product. And then the, the, the last point he mentioned was the, um, economic weakness in what they call emerging markets. Um, they, they mentioned the economic deceleration in China, which, and I think this is probably the most important part of information here. He said that um, the economic deceleration in China is responsible for about 100% of the year-over-year revenue decline. Um, So that means basically China is 100% responsible for this decline in revenue year-over-year. To me, that's super interesting because you can point to problems at home, like in the United States, um, you know, maybe you can say, oh, maybe the iPhone XS was too expensive in, in the US. But really, what what Apple uh, suggests is that China is entirely responsible for this big mess. And of course, uh, the economy in China um, was further impacted by the trade war that's currently going on between the United States and China. So all this, to conclude, I guess, my uh, tirade here... Um, and again, that's from Tim Cook, you know, or Apple's um, letter to, to Apple Investor. All this in turn resulted in uh, fewer iPhone upgrades than the company had anticipated. So there was there were some things that 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 clearly were not in their control: uh, economic deceleration in China, the trade war between the United States and China. This is something they can't control. This is something even they can't. I mean, you can kind of have an idea of what's going to happen uh, in this country, but you can't, you couldn't, for example, predict last year the economy, um, the trade war that was going to 
informed between the US and China. And there were some stuff that were in their power, like um, uh, making sure there was no supply constraints, making sure there was enough Apple Watch, making sure there was enough iPad Pro, making sure there was enough AirPods or MacBook Air available. But even then, if you take all that into account, that wouldn't really have moved the needle too much for Apple because, uh, again, if you read this, you know, if you interpret what Tim Cook said, iPhone is largely and largely and almost entirely responsible for for this decline. So even if they had enough Apple Watch, even if they had enough iPad Pros and AirPods and and MacBook Airs, that probably wouldn't have changed much for Apple because uh, Tim Cook said that iPhone is the one responsible for this. And I guess that's what happens when you are a company um, who's making uh, over 50% of its revenue from one product category, and that's the iPhone. You're extremely dependent on it. And when something goes bad for this product category, it really shows on your bottom line. You know, if the if the problem was similar for, say, Apple Watch, you know, it would have, would not have had such an impact on Apple's financial. But because Apple is so dependent on iPhone, uh, it really tanks the company. Right. Yeah, it was so bad. It was such a big deal, in fact, that when this letter came out, um, and we get alerts that let us know that Apple's published a PR thing. And it's not unusual for them to post something to their newsroom right on their website. It's not unusual at all. Usually they'll post like an ad or maybe they'll highlight a review of one of their products that's getting some attention. So when I got that alert, I was like, oh, okay. But then you see the little subject line that says an open letter from Tim Cook. Again, my first thought is like, okay, that's a little more serious. Maybe it's something privacy related. I thought maybe it could have something to do with this battle they're in with Qualcomm right now that's affecting some iPhone sales in like Germany and some other countries. Uh, but then you open it up and you see they're they're having to adjust their earnings. And it, it's such a big deal that they had to halt trading, right? That, like that's a huge deal. When they say that we don't want anybody trading stock while they digest what we're about to say – um, to me, that just screams huge deal. Obviously, it was when trading came back. I think it came back just minutes before the markets closed. Uh, obviously, just the stock just tanked. I think it's down 10 or 15%. It's way down from its uh, high that it touched in, I want to say, August of last year. Uh, it was up in the 220, 230 mark. Um, actually, it might have hit that in October. I think in August, it crossed a billion-dollar market cap. Yeah. I mean, in August of this year, or September August, was in uh, to let's say let's round it up to two thirty or something, and it lost about thirty percent of its value since its top, its peak uh, in September October. I mean, you know, I'm looking at uh, the stocks app right now, <laughs> and you can see in sometime October third it was at two twenty seven, two twenty eight, uh, and now it's at one forty six. So it lost about thirty percent, a little over thirty percent of its value. That's huge. That's huge. And it went yeah. from being the largest market cap in the world, uh, the first you know, U.S. company to pass a, a trillion dollars, to, be, to being the fourth behind, uh, what is it, uh, Amazon, uh, Microsoft. Google. And is it Google? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it can't be Facebook. So, I mean, it, it took a, ser- a, serious, um, a serious major hit here. Well, you said Facebook. Apple's lost fi- almost $500 billion in market cap. Uh, since its peak and that's bigger than the size of facebook and a lot just most u.s companies yeah they've lost the size of most major u.s companies uh here in the last couple of months and you know so if we if we if we look back at it uh because we've talked about this on the podcast before these all of these reports that were saying that iphone suppliers were getting their orders cut from Apple, that Apple was cutting orders to their components like, okay, we don't need as many camera sensors as we thought we needed. We don't need as many touchscreens as we thought we needed. And these suppliers were all reporting this in their financials saying, hey, we're going to lose money this quarter. And then they were pointing, why? Well, because Apple slashed their their thing. So we were hearing all of these reports um, and it just felt like, okay, we've heard these before and Apple always comes out the other end with impressive numbers. And that just wasn't the case this time. Um, something you didn't mention, and because Tim Cook doesn't really highlight it as much as he did those four points that you brought up, but he does mention something I wanted to kind of talk about this a little bit, is uh, he says, uh, let's see here, the U.S. dollar strength-related price increases and some customers taking advantage of significantly reduced pricing for iPhone battery replacements. 
there are two things actually here. Uh, the one that you uh, that you missed. Uh, so the USR strength-related price increases, we kind of touched on this. Uh, the first one that you mentioned is the consumers adapting to a world with fewer c- uh, carrier subsidies. So that's that's back in the days, you know, like when you could go to AT&T and get the new iPhone for $200. So you pay $200 up front, and then uh, the price uh, of, of the iPhone is carried over, you know, monthly for the next two years or something like this. And that's that's a model that hasn't been um, really permanent in the United States for what I feel like three or four at least years. So I don't know, like, a little bit, yeah. Uh, it, it feels like it's been a while that now people are on more on a maybe uh, financing from Apple directly with the Apple upgrade program, iPhone upgrade program, or with the carrier directly, or that people are buying the device outright. So saying consumers are adapting to a world with fewer carrier subsidies, I'm like, that could have been right three years ago or even maybe even two years ago if you want to stretch it. But like n- like, like the, the the phone upgrade cycle has gone at f- through at least once for most people in these four or five years that uh, carrier subsidies haven't really existed. So I don't know. I, I thought that that was kind of a phony... Um, excuse, well, both of those, yeah, a phony excuse. And then the, there's the other one that one mentioned, uh, saying that some customers uh, were taking advantage of significantly reduced pricing for iPhone battery replacement program, um, which was uh, which um, was which ended on December 31st of 2018. You know, that's the thing that unfolded pretty much last year at the same time when it was found that Apple was. Um, throttling performance, throttling the performance of devices uh, when you know on their peak uh, activity uh, to make sure because the battery couldn't handle it, and, and so there was this huge battery gate, and Apple came out saying, you know what, for this and for these specific devices, we'll replace your battery, no question answered for twenty nine dollars, and a lot of people yeah. apparently took advantage of this, and. And and that to me that's kind of worrying. If if Apple tanks because a few people or more likely a few hundred thousands of people uh, replace their batteries instead of buying new iPhones. Yeah. So let's uh, let's kind of break down both of these things. Um, I'll say that the battery replacement. I had my uh, mom go in and fix the battery, have her battery replaced uh, in mid December. Uh, on her iPhone six plus because it was, it was barely, it wasn't making it through the day. It was barely making it through half a day before it would die. The phone was super slow, yada, yada, yada. Um, I'll tell you, she had that battery replaced and says one, it feels like a brand new device. And two, she made an appointment. And when she got there, she was sitting at a table with at least 10 other people. She said that we're all getting their batteries replaced for this $29. So just anecdotally, mm-hmm. I think this was very popular. I think it was more than a couple thousand or even a couple hundred thousand. I think it was more than that. But it's still weird that Tim Cook would bring it up yeah. in a, an important letter like this uh, because as other people on Twitter have pointed out, that either A, says that, okay, you either knew uh, that that you were getting more sale, like the, 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 throttling, the throttling problem and this battery problem was forcing people to buy new phones you either knew that and that's you were encouraging it or and you just kind of went back on it when you got caught you're like oh, okay then you know well we're doing this for your good guys we'll we'll replace your batteries for cheaper so it's either a that or b you you didn't necessarily know that that was a factor that wasn't your intention was to drive new sales by ruining old batteries but uh you uh you were enjoying the benefits of it and yeah. didn't really do much to stop it. I mean, either one fuels the conspiracy theory, right? That yeah. Apple makes your phone slow down after two years, so you have to get a new phone. Um, and this just didn't help with Tim Cook mentioning that. Yeah, it might have been something that they were aware of. I mean, there's no way you can't be aware of that. Um, but maybe that wasn't a priority. Maybe that was just a nice side effect, you know, <laughs> of, <laughs> of his battery issue. Like, it's like, like oh, okay, uh, this is kind of nice. Well, okay. yeah, I mean, like, why? And as a business, again, Apple is not in the business of doing what's right, even though they always look like they are. They're in the business of making money, 
That's what they do, right. you know, like uh, making the greatest products and you know, making delightful products, providing the best experience. That's their mission statement. But that's really what they want to do is make money at the end of the day. Um, so I, from a business standpoint, I can, understand, I can understand this decision of kind of throwing this under the rug and, you know, closing your eyes and closing your ears and going la, 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 pretending you don't know what's <laughs> going on. But they, they, they knew. They knew. And the fact that he mentioned this, I mean, I think um, shows the, uh, the correlation between, between, two, the, between the two. Um, but at the same time, um, you can't, you know, like acknowledging this is actually also pretty courageous uh, from Apple because this was clearly drafted with care and they knew exactly what they were saying. And uh, they said a lot, but but it's not like he slipped during an interview, and by mentioning this, that was in in the in the press release or premeditated letter, letter yeah, yeah, that I'm sure in, several people proofread. So and and maybe that's something to point to. Hey, see, like you know, like we are now that you can get your, now you know you can get your battery replaced, and you know we're not. Uh, now we've come forward with that last year. We're not intentionally uh, throttling your device. You can get the battery replaced. And you know what? We make so, such great products that if you actually replace your battery, uh, your iPhone is going to feel like new and you won't even need to upgrade. You won't even need to spend another 650 750 or $1,000 for, for a new iPhone. So some, there is like a, a silver lining, I think, to this. There is like, you can look at it in a positive way. Yeah, and I keep going back to there was an interview Tim Cook did back uh, when this battery gate thing really took off, and he said, and the question was asked, do you know if uh, if these decaying batteries uh, force people into upgrades sooner than they would have liked? And he goes, said something to the effect of, as I sit here right now, I don't know how many upgrades uh, this is contributing to. And our, our, it was in regards to the replacement plan, too. He was mm-hmm. like, as I sit here right now, I don't know how many uh, upgrades this is going to impact. And so, I don't know. It was, it was just kind of weird to see it in the letter, obviously. Honestly, the whole thing was kind of surreal because, again, you're talking about a company that for the last – since the iPhone launch, this company has been pretty untouchable in terms of Wall Street stuff. I know there was a uh, – Shortly after the iPhone six and six plus came out, right? Those were those were big phones because there was so much pent up demand for a large screened iPhone that they blew those numbers out of the water when they sold the iPhone six and six plus. But then the six S and six S plus came around, and it was such a big drop off of year over year iPhone sales. And Tim Cook kind of had to explain himself like. We just didn't factor in how big that iPhone 6 Plus uh, upgrade cycle was. And so we kind of saw a smaller version of this with that. But this is on such a bigger scale in terms of they're going to drop off iPhone sales year over year. And mind you, this all comes after last quarterly earnings call when they said, we're going to stop announcing iPhone numbers. So they saw this coming. They yeah. they saw this coming and it's not like Apple to overestimate, right? I, I said this mm-hmm. uh, when we first started talking about this. They tend to underpromise and overdeliver because they know how much better that looks. Um, but here, they obviously missed the boat. And uh, you want so let's let's talk about some other factors here. There's price. A lot of people have been pointing to the higher price. You mentioned it actually with subsidies. Okay, so I was just talking about this with a buddy. I came from carrier phone sales, right? I came straight from that over to uh, working with you at IDB, so I kind of had a good picture of this. Uh, it was T-Mobile. They came out. They were the first carrier, at least in the U.S. Now, mind you, for people outside the U.S., they're going subsidies have not been a thing probably ever. Like, I don't know if that ever really took off in Europe, but I know that people were paying full prices for iPhones while we were over here in the u.s getting subsidies so maybe it's not as prevalent outside the u.s but uh like you said there was a time when yes iphones have always been 750 dollars, and the initial iphones were expensive right i think they were like 450 dollars for the first iphone and you still got a two-year you still got a two-year contract yeah i think that was 650 and then they dropped the price after a month or two to 450 i believe but you still had, you, you were still under contract for two years. <laughs> yes. And you had, I think Apple had to give some refunds too because they lowered the price. But, uh, 
Uh, there was a good chunk there, though, where you could go into your carrier and get the newest iPhone for $199. The entry-level newest iPhone for $199. Yes, you were under contract for another two years, but people didn't care about that. They just they knew they were going to get a cool phone, and it was going to be less than 200 bucks. And um, then T-Mobile came out and said, you know what? We're not going to do contracts on our customers anymore. We care about you guys. And so they said, contract-free. We're just going to do um, – you buy the phone outright or they introduce this financial plan, which is basically a contract. You have to finish paying for the device on these financial installment plans. Um, so it's basically a contract, but they just renamed it something else. And to be honest, yeah, I think you're in the U.S. It's made it harder for people to upgrade more regularly because you spend – you're either paying in full price, right? So $750 or higher for the iPhone or you're paying 30 bucks a month in an installment plan. And you got to do that for at least 12 months. In most cases, sometimes it's 24 months or you've got to pay the device off before you can move on to the next one. So I think there's some truth there, but like you said, this has been a thing for three years, right? T-Mobile started it. Then I think Sprint and then the, everybody followed. They were like, okay, yeah. cool. We don't have to even worry about making deals with Apple to try to subsidize the iPhone to us. And then they have to carry the cost, right? They have to carry that cost. If they sell you a phone for 200 bucks, they're just hoping to make it back up from you in your monthly payment plans. But if you never pay your bill, then they're kind of stuck holding the bag. So carriers were excited to get rid of contracts, get rid of subsidies. Let's just sell you the phones outright, basically. And uh, But that's been three years going. It should not have really impacted uh, these sales. I do think, though, what it all comes back down to is price. And I've seen this so many times throughout Twitter over the last couple of days of people saying Apple's iPhones just got too expensive. They found their ceiling of, okay, we can charge this much and people will continue to buy it. So that's a problem. Uh, longevity of devices, right? Because the iPhone 10 was really good. <laughs> and so if these phones and the way Apple's making software now, they're saying we're going to support a lot of legacy devices and we're going to even work hard to make sure the performance is sped up on those devices so you're not feeling this slowdown. So if you're working this hard to make your products last that long, People aren't going to upgrade every year or maybe even every two years. Like I just said, my mom's running around with an iPhone 6 Plus and with that new battery, she loves it. Like just – I think the space is still a problem, right? The 16 gigs or whatever it is, I think that's a problem for some people. But the uh, in terms of performance, they're just, okay, I'm fine with this. Why would I spend another $900 right now and get a new phone? Yeah. I want to I wanna put, put a little pin in this pricing thing because to me this is very uh, – this is like – this is prob probably a very important part of uh, of the results here. Um, but before talking about this, I want to say that this episode of Let's Talk OS is brought to you by Triple Byte. Applying to programming jobs sucks. Applying to any job sucks, but applying to programming jobs sucks even more. You have to put the right keyboard uh, keyword in your resume. Um, you have to spend hours and hours on phone screens and maybe some take-home projects to uh, to see how, what you're capable of doing. And that is even assuming that the company even responds to your application. Well, if you're a software engineer, uh, Triple Byte can help. They work with over 400 temp com tech companies from big names like Dropbox to Adobe uh, to exciting new startups, a bunch of names uh, you've heard of uh, for sure. Um, and this is how it works. You take a, a quick quiz of uh, competencies, skills with them. And um, if you pass the test, you do uh, an online interview with them. And if you do well with the online, during the online interview, you get to go straight to final interviews with the companies on their platform. So they're kind of like the middleman between the companies, the large companies like the Dropbox and the Apples and everything who are looking for uh, talented software engineers and you. Um, so again, you know, take a quick quiz. Uh, if you do well at the quiz, you can show uh, your, your your skills in a certain area. Uh, you will have a brief interview uh, with someone at Triple Byte, and if you do well on that interview, they send your applications to a bunch of different companies, saving you all the time and trouble of you know sending your applications and having the same conversations. Uh, and spending hours uh, with these take-home projects and, su and such. Um, it's basically like common app for software engineers. Uh, Triple Byte does not look at your resume or where you went to school. All they care about is if you can code. And to me, this is um, very 
very much the cornerstone of TripleByte is that they don't care about your resume. They don't care about where you went to school. They don't care if you had uh, a cool internship with Apple or some super large company that makes you look cool. No, what they care about is, can you actually code? There's a lot, especially nowadays, there's a lot of um, younger people, I would say, as an old man, <laughs> younger people who um, who are self-taught um, developers or and they ha- that have the the capability, the, the, uh, the skills that software engineers went to school for, and these guys didn't even go to school for it. And, and, uh, and when a company like Google or something asks for a resume, you can't prove um, that you have the skills. So that's where a company like TripleByte can uh, really help. You can apply now at triplebyte.com slash iOS. That's triplebyte, B-Y-T-E, dot com slash iOS as a special offer for listeners of this show. If you take a job for Triple Byte, they will offer you a one thousand dollar signing bonus. Again, that's triplebyte.com slash iOS. All right, back to prices here. Um, we know, we know, we've heard it for a very long time that Apple products are expensive. Maybe they, right. they maybe they're too expensive. I mean, that's usually one of um, one of the main talking points of Apple haters, you know, oh, Apple products are so expensive, you know, it's a ripoff. And yes, you know, like they are pricey compared to other, um, to other brands, but, um, but that's not really the, the point here. What we know is that, and what is a fact is that the prices on all Apple products, pretty much across the board, and especially on iPhone, have gone up. Uh, they've gone up in the last two years, and they went up again. And that, where I heard before, you know, look, looking at the comments on IDB and looking, it's very anecdotal, but looking at the comments or looking on Twitter, like you're, I always had the sentiment that people were complaining about Apple prices. But over the last year, what I've noticed is that not only people are comp- complaining about Apple, Apple prices, iPhone prices, but iPhone love it. iPhone, you know, like, Pro users, uh, people who upgrade every year, are complaining about iPhone prices. And in many instances, I've seen this over and over and over and over again, like all over the internet, like people saying um, that that Apple priced priced itself out of their budget. You know, something I've seen, and again, it's very anecdotal, but a lot on Reddit uh, and in on IDB comments is people saying, you know. I, I bought the iPhone 10 last year and I would totally buy the iPhone 10s this year because, you know, I'd like to have the latest iPhone, but I just can't. Like, I can't justify spending another thousand dollars, uh, for, for, for this device when the, uh, when the upgrade is not that significant, uh, you know, feature wise and hardware wise, it is not a significant up, up, upgrade. I think we've said it and for you, it's a little more noticeable because, um, the upgrade is more noticeable because you went from a normal size to the plus to the max size, which didn't exist last year. But for someone like right. me who went to, from the iPhone 10 to the 10s, I mean, I've said it to, to everybody. I'm like, you know, unless you have money or unless you do what I do for a living, there's no reason to buy the iPhone 10s. Um, you know, I, that's actually a, a device I recommend against. If people ask me, I recommend the iPhone or Actually, my aunt, she was asking me, I was like, yeah, you can get the XS if you really want to have the top of the line and be able to tell people you have the most expensive iPhone money can get. Or else, you can actually buy the iPhone or and chances are you're not going to see the difference in anything and, 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 uh, and you're going to be saving 300 bucks. So... So yes, the pr- the prices, the price of of iPhones has just gone out of hand, and Apple has been exper- experimenting a little bit with that over the last few years, especially since the iPhone 10, really uh, increasing the price and see where are people willing to go, how much are people willing to pay, what if we keep increasing the prices, what happens, like what is the ceiling, and. They don't really mention that. Like Tim Cook doesn't really mention that. You know, he doesn't say our products are too expensive. Um, but I think it's not crazy to think that a large majority of people who might have otherwise upgraded didn't because, you know, they were just tired of spending a thousand dollars for a new phone. 
especially when you bring this back to China, where in China, the entry-level price for an iPhone XS is not $1,000 like it is in the United States. Uh, it's $1,250, you know, like if you take the conversion rate uh, into account, like the price is $1,250. So it's a much more expensive device, 25% more to buy an iPhone XS in China than it is in the United States, where the, uh, in China, where the median um, revenue is more likely lower than it is in, in the United States. So I think it would be crazy to not kind of admit that the increased prices on iPhones has something to do with the, the poor performance of Apple on, on this uh, incoming quarter. It might not be 100% responsible for it, but I, again, I think it would be crazy to not just acknowledge this, that the prices are too high and people are, you know, are tired of paying, uh, or just not tired, but just can't afford uh, that much that often. Right. Yeah, it's one of those things where, yes, the iPhone XR is available for, what, 750 I think Apple had this cool uh, uh, promotion going on over the holidays where if you trade in your old iPhone, you could get an iPhone XR for 450 But I think what a lot of people are seeing is the iPhone XS for $1,000 or even just overhearing like – I'm just trying to think of a scenario like uh, especially over the holidays where you're you're with family and maybe older folks are with the younger folks and they say, oh, yeah, that's the new iPhone. It's $1,000. Well, in their mind, they might just write that off as, okay, well, I'm not going to buy a new phone for $1,000. This one's working fine. I think there's a lot of small micro instances like that with consumers who aren't educated in the – the less expensive iPhones or just the iPhone lineup in general. I think it's confusing. I think it was confusing for people that Apple last year launched the lesser iPhones, the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus first, and then the iPhone 10, and then this year they flipped it. iPhone 10s and 10s Max first. It's just a weird one, it's a weird schedule. Two, it's confusing which one's better. Why is this one cheaper? Why is this one more expensive? Um so yeah, I think that's a small part of it. But if you look at pricing, if you look at just the maturity of the smartphone market as a whole, smartphone sales for everybody are, are down across the board. Android manufactures everybody because we're kind of hitting this peak where everybody who wants a smartphone has one. And chances are it's within, it's a newer model within the last couple of years and it's still working fine. Gone are the days where you go from like an iPhone 3G S to an iPhone 4 where there's just this huge leap forward and you're like, I've got to get that next model. We're kind of hitting a feature parity where I think the camera's better on the iPhone XS than it was on the iPhone 10. But like you said, otherwise, they're very similar and have even similar internals, which didn't used to be the case on on upgrades. Uh, so it's it's a it's a mixture of a lot of things, right? It's kind of a perfect storm of, okay, well, we didn't uh, – we the prices are too high. The smartphone market's maturing. And they're losing, for whatever reason they want to blame it on, they're losing in huge markets like China, right? Whether you want to blame it on the trade war between the U.S. and China, whether you want to blame it on the pricing, whether you want to blame it on the Huawei's and the and the Yaomi's that are selling like hotcakes over there, right? They're coming out with the edge-to-edge displays and the and the awesome cameras and all of this stuff, and they're charging substantially less than Apple is for the iPhone. I mean, it's just kind of this yeah. perfect storm of things. And that leads to the bigger problem, because investors aren't just worried that Apple had an off quarter. They're worried that this is the trend now, and they're they're probably not that far off. I mean, there's a reason Apple decided to not announce iPhone sales anymore. They saw this coming in at least some fashion, not good enough to make the correct projection for uh, revenue of this quarter, but... They saw this coming to some effect and said, we're not going to announce uh, sales numbers anymore. We'll announce revenue, right? Because that's, what that's what's important. The, how much money they're making at the end of the day is what everybody wants to know. Uh, but the fact that they're not saying iPhone sales anymore means they're not expecting to just continue breaking out these record-breaking numbers. Like, oh, we just sold 90 million iPhones. This is most ever for this quarter. Like, they're just not expecting that anymore. And that's because if you look at all the markets that they're really involved in the U.S., China, Europe – they're the it's very saturated and there's running out of new markets and they tried they tried in india which would have been a huge market that's like a china-sized market just given how many people are there but it's such a they've gone through a lot of political red tape there there's a pricing issue there because the resellers are selling iphones for 
hundreds, you know, a couple hundreds of dollars, if not less. And there's some companies that are releasing phone. Like I saw a smartphone that was, was an Android smartphone. It's like $50 there. Uh, so how do you compete in that market when the, the uh, average money that people are making is is substantially lower than it is in, in the U.S. and some other places? So just one, it's, this was not a good quarter at all for Apple in, in terms of revenue. Um, and it's, I think it really scares people that this is going to be the trend until Apple finds a product, right? Like they've got some popular products. Apple Watch is doing great. AirPods, which have been out for a year or two, um, went out of stock everywhere over the holiday season. And it was a hit product. It was trending on Twitter. People were making memes about uh, showing off their new AirPods they just got for Christmas. I mean, big deal. So Apple's got some hit products, but investors want them to replace the revenue of the iPhone with something. Show us something that's new and hip and it's going to sell like the iPhone did and that show us that it's got a trajectory to continue those sales over the next five years because you got to think – iPhone's been out 10 years and it's sold very well for the first nine of those. Mm. Well, it, it looks like there's not going to be another iPhone. It's just <clears throat> for Apple, for maybe for no company going forward. Like the iPhone was this one product and it was one in a lifetime kind of product. Like you're not going to have a successful, as successful product for Apple. That's just not going to happen. Apple Watch might be insanely successful. Uh, AirPods, HomePod, whatever you want from Apple, it's not going to replace the iPhone. Um, but when uh, it looks like what Apple wants to do going forward is knowing that you know, like people keep their iPhone for longer and longer, and yes, the price are increasing, but you get more, you get more out of your device. You have a more powerful device, more capable device, and you actually maybe can keep it longer because it can. Uh, withstand the test of time and, and Apple makes sure that iOS, especially with iOS 12, um, is not going to slow down your device and actually makes it faster and for some older devices and stuff like this. So this is great. But what Apple's, it looks what Apple wants to do is put a lot more people on the iPhone upgrade program. I think Tim Cook, I don't remember if it's in the interview or in, um, this letter to investors, uh, where he says that they want to, um, to make the iPhone upgrade program available in more places. I think at the time, right now, it's available only in the United States. I could be wrong, but I don't think it's something... I mean, I, for sure, it's not something that's for every country. Uh, I don't think it's in France, um, and I really believe it's only in the United States. Um, but the the perfect situation for Apple, they know they're not going to sell, sell... You know, They're not going to grow the amount of iPhone they can sell. But what they would like to do is to have people like you and like you actually, Cody, who is actually part of the program, pay a fee every month. And every month you pay 50 bucks, 40 bucks, 60 bucks, whatever the price is, depending on the device you choose. And, and then every year or every two years, you get to upgrade your, your device. This way it can show, um, the company would be able to show Wall Street that, Hey, look at this. We actually, we know we've reached. Uh, saturation, the entire smartphone market is completely saturated, not just for Apple. Um, we know we're not going to sell, you know, we're not going to grow the number every year of iPhone that we sell. But look, we're actually, we're actually getting paid every month by X amount of people who pay us a stable recurring income that, you know, we can actually project for two, for the next two years, and these people are more likely uh, going to be upgraded to a new iPhone when time comes, and 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 uh, keep you know paying that fifty dollars or whatever the fee is every month for the device they choose. So this would be able to to show Wall Street some sort of um, sta- stability and predictability in in Apple's revenue, while at the same time Apple will try to capitalize on its um, on its ecosystem by selling stuff outside of iPhone, by selling services, which is the, the big, uh, the big word now for Apple, right? Selling services. And they're always pointing how, uh, services, uh, is growing every quarter and blah, blah, blah. We, you know, that's the beat they've been drumming for two years. The size of a Fortune 500 company. Right. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, if, if, if you can put up, if we can put people on, on the iPhone upgrade program, um, 
and then start setting a, setting a model of stuff. Maybe you set them as an Apple Music subscription, 10 bucks a month. Maybe you set them a little more iCloud storage, two bucks a month. And maybe you have this new TV service coming, maybe another 10 bucks a month, 15 bucks a month, whatever the price is going to be for that, maybe 10 bucks. So you can uh, take advantage of this halo effect, this ecosystem that Apple has created. And really, when you look at it, it is the only company uh, in its sphere that can claim to have that kind of opportunity. You know, Samsung doesn't have an ecosystem. Um, uh, Huawei, Xiaomi, they don't have an ecosystem. They're just selling devices and that's it. Apple sells more than just iPhone. You know, they sell the whole experience around it and the, now the services around it. Uh, they have these products that are integrating with each other, like Apple Watch and iPhone work hand in hand. You know, if you want an Apple Watch, guess what? You have to have an iPhone. Um, if you want AirPods, the best experience is with an iPhone. If you have an Apple TV, well, it's really cool because you can listen to Apple Music on your TV. I mean, it, everything is is connected. And this is a strength. This is uh, a strength that no other phone maker has in the world. Um, so... There, there is. I, I think there is still. It's not like, it's not like the company is doomed. Uh, by the way, I put <laughs> a note here on my computer. This is still Apple's. This is still going to be Apple's second best quarter ever. So the, you know, the, the stock has tanked by thirty percent since September, uh, October, uh, August, uh, September or October. The stock tanked. Uh, Apple had to revise its estimate. Yet, this is going to be the second best quarter ever for Apple. So it, the company is not doomed. It just had, like, you know, a, that's a bump in the road. And that's something, that, you know, that's something they're going to have to figure out very quickly uh, because they can't keep hitting bump every quarter. But this is still, by any way you look at it, a highly successful quarter for Apple, even though they missed their, the mark. This is still extremely, extremely uh, successful. So it's, the company is not doomed. Um, Apple is not going out of business. Um, Apple is still going to keep selling very expensive devices, you know, more expensive than, uh, than HTC phones or Samsung devices. That's for sure. This is not going to change. They might tweak things here and there, a few things here and there, but this is not going to change. And the company, uh, I think, still has pretty good days ahead of it. Yeah, I'm looking at, uh, you mentioned that uh, it was still a great quarter for Apple. I'm looking at their revision here. And uh, so here's their projection for the holiday quarter. Uh, they were expected to make $89 billion to $93 billion, a gross margin of 38% to 38.5%, operating expenses uh, up to $8.8 billion, um, other income and expense $300 million, tax rate uh, 16.5%. Uh, before discrete items. So if you look at our post on this, uh, you'll see that they, the only thing they had to correct was revenue. Everything else, they they got the gross margin correct. They're still right on the money there. Um, they're right about their operating expenses. Uh, other income and expenses, they bumped that up to $550 million, so $250 million difference. That's a drop in the bucket for Apple. And then the tax rate they nailed. So the only thing they're changing about their forecast here is the revenue. And it's just... Uh, and it's and it's by the low end, it's only by five billion dollars. Which for a ninety billion dollar quarter to drop at five billion, I feel like the fallout's been a little exaggerated. It's been a little, I don't know, got kind of carried away. Uh, but I know, I do know that it's Wall Street's thinking, and in turn, it's investors thinking. Okay, not today, but what's Apple going to look like in six months or a year? What does this tell us about their future? And if, as we've said multiple times, there are most of their revenue depends on the iPhone and the iPhone sales are dropping, what does that mean long term? So I will say that I do see a lot of similarities between this and that really off iPhone 6S upgrade cycle. And so I think that I think that they're going to rebound in the next couple of quarters, particularly for the next iPhone launch. I think people who didn't upgrade this year are either going to upgrade out of necessity or Apple's got something for the next iPhone because you got to think if the 10S was a S model, the next one's going to be a bigger upgrade just by nature of Apple's past behaviors. Um, so I think this will rebound for the next quarter, but I can't say beyond that if Apple releases another awesome iPhone and everybody gets that one, what's the next upgrade cycle going to look like? 
Um, so I like what you were saying about services. In fact, MG Siegler, former uh, TechCrunch, uh, you know, uh, superstar blogger turned venture capitalist, he had a great post on this. It is uh, website 500ish.com talking about uh, what he thinks is going to be like an Amazon Prime type service, but for Apple users. Uh, he points out that Apple has he has the he has the uh, uh, Apple has the dedicated loyal user fan base that it would take to get people to pay like a monthly subscription to get access to the latest iPhone, maybe even other products. Uh, and then, of course, all of the services. You got to think something that Apple has in the wings right now that we know of is that they've spent billion dollars creating original content. They're planning to launch a big TV service here uh, pretty soon. And if any of those programs on there are halfway intriguing, people are going to buy into that service and want to watch it, just like they wanted to do with Bird Box on Netflix over the holidays or like they want to do with uh, A Handmaid's Tale on Hulu. People are going to subscribe to this service, and and Apple's going to make money from that. So that's it's kind of a weird shifting time. Apple knows that it needs to that it's 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 needs to make up for the revenue that the iPhone's going to be losing, and they have a lot of stuff in the product pipeline, but. Of course, anytime Apple stumbles, the narrative is always the company's doomed. I think people just like I, – I've got friends that are Android users that couldn't wait to to jump on this, oh, Apple's doomed train because any other time they've tried to say it, I just pointed to the numbers and said, well, it looks like they're fine. They're a billion do- or a trillion-dollar company. Um, Yeah, what just a weird week in gen- general after this. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't great. But again, <laughs> the the future might the future might not even be iPhone anymore. Like there there are things the company can can do. Um, I mean, there is one, there is two things that the company could do is that I, you know that that's been floated around, but never really too seriously. Apple could become like a bank. And why not become a bank? Because, you know, now it's handling, especially with Apple Pay, uh, it's not directly handling the money. It's not, you know, holding the money, but with Apple Pay Cash, uh, it's kind of keeping the money here in an account for you and stuff. And, uh, that's, that, that's, you know, you could consider this like first step into banking. Um, the company could become a carrier. Why not? Uh, become a carrier, you know, start small in the United States and maybe grow overseas. Um, and also, the company has showed and demonstrated a uh, strong interest in health and fitness. I mean, this is probably the clearest with Apple Watch. Um, but what's, who's not to think that Apple could one day become maybe an insurance, co- like a health, you know, health insurance company, especially in the United States where things are a little shaky. Like that wouldn't be really, I mean, to me, you say that, well, Apple sells health insurance, you know, um, that sounds crazy, but when you think about it, when you look at what the company's doing and the reach that it, ha- it has and how it's really pushing services, well, guess what? Like health, uh, health insurance, that could be services. Uh, becoming a bank, that's definitely a service. Uh, becoming a carrier, that's a service that's your, that you're providing. I mean, I mean, to me, that is not crazy to think that Apple could really branch out out of its comfort zone here of really pure and simple t- technology and really sell things that we might not expect the company to sell banking products, insurance products, um, uh, airways. I don't think, I don't think that's crazy to think that. Yeah. It's uh Apple pay. I think there's, we've still yet to see the full potential of Apple pay. You know, just as a reminder, Apple gave a lot of these banks and these financial institutions Kind of an upfront deal like, hey, carry this and we won't charge fees for the first year, the first two years, or it'll be 15% for the first, or not 15%, that's crazy, but it'll be like 2% fees for the first three years and then we're going to take 5%. Uh, so as those relationships and those contracts mature, I think we're going to see uh, some of the financial benefits for Apple Pay. It just kind of reminded me of you brought up banking. Um yeah, I mean, I guess I don't want to sit here and just try to think of all the ways Apple could make this money back in their market cap because they lost a lot of money. And Apple's just not used to losing like this. They're just not used to losing like this. And uh, But I do think let's p- kind of take the money aspect out of it. Let's. It'll be interesting to see how they respond as a company. You've already kind of seen it in Tim Cook's words, one in the open letter and then two in the internal email to employees. Um, where they say, you know, this, we're going to take the, you know, with adversity that gives us a chance to kind of take a step back, 
reflect on how we got here and how we can fix this moving forward. They said they're already taking initiative. I didn't like the thing he highlighted for initiative. He's like, we we're making it really easy to uh, upgrade to the latest phone in our stores and we're going to transfer your data over for you. I, I didn't understand why that was highlighted as like no. a huge thing that Apple's doing because... I've never heard anyone say, oh, I'm holding off on an iPhone purchase because I'm I'm afraid of transferring my data from my old phone to my new phone. You know, people have problems with that, but it's nev- I've never heard anyone mentioning this as a reason for, you know, putting the purchase of an iPhone on hold. So that, that was weird to, to mention that. Yeah, and it's not like a new Apple initiative. Uh, carrier cell phone carriers have been using Cellbrite machines to transfer phone numbers and other data from old phone to new phone for decades. You know, like that's I don't know. I I thought that was kind of weird he pointed that out, but they are putting some things in place. It does cause them to reexamine things like the iPhone pricing, um, like some other uh, uh, issues with that product. Maybe uh, reexamine how they're handling things in like China or India or some of these other big markets that they're not seeing any growth in. Uh, so I'm I'm a, I'm curious to see how the company responds. I mean. We're not going to hear from them probably until uh, uh, maybe there will be a March event like there has been, I believe, the last couple of years. And uh, they'll come out and, and, and either announce some new products or some new services or something. Then we'll kind of get a look at, OK, this is how Apple's rebounding after what I would say is one of its darkest days ever. Now, I know Apple at one point was bankrupt on the verge of bankruptcy. I know they brought Steve Jobs back. He saved the company. But um, uh they lost a lot of money over the past week. I don't want to. I don't think you can overstate just how big they fell in terms of what the company's worth. Um, so yeah, Here, here's a question for you. I'll pose a question for you. Does Apple pass? Does Apple ever pass Amazon in market share again? Market cap? Oh yes. Yeah, market cap. I'm sorry. They will. They will. You think so? Okay. Yes. Yeah, I, I have no doubt about that. Yes. That's been a big discussion among me and my like tech friends that see Amazon is like a services company, right? They have the uh, their cloud services huge. And then obviously they've got the Amazon Prime subscribers that just pay them money every month and every uh, every year. And uh, so that's a services company where you have a, a company like uh, Apple that's mostly hardware right now. And hardware is cyclical, right? They're going to make most of their money after they release a new iPhone. At least we used to think that's what the case was. And now that's not even the case anymore. Yeah, I know. I, I don't, I, I think, again, like that's one of these things, like, what do we know? But yeah, I don't, I don't know <laughs> that uh, in terms of market cap, uh, Apple is going to get ahead. Uh, I don't think rapidly, but it's, we, we might forget about this next year. You know, we might forget about, about this discussion and this whole, um, miss for apple i'd like to finish with like positive positive notes and again these are positive things that were highlighted uh by tim cook you know i mentioned the first one well this one was not highlighted by tim cook but it's a fact that it's it it, this is still going to be apple's second best quarter ever so again not all doom and gloom uh tim cook mentioned that install base of active devices hit a new time high uh, it grew grew by more than 100 million units in 12 months. So again, it's you know like the amount of user is is growing. So that is good. You know that's people that you might sell an, another iPhone or an iPad or a Mac again uh, soon or maybe some services. So it's good good news. Um, revenue outside of the iPhone business grew by almost 20% year over year, and that includes uh, the whole time record revenue for services, wearables. And Mac, so services is growing steadily. Uh, service, services generated over $10 billion in revenue during the quarter. Uh, and it's a new record for services. Wearable grew by almost 50% year over year. Uh, that's most, uh, that's really Apple Watch and, uh, and AirPods. Again, that's pretty nice growth here, 50%. And, um, the last news that came, uh, yesterday, I think, is that App Store had a record-breaking holiday week and New Year's Day. The holiday week was Apple's biggest week ever, with more than $1.2 billion spent on apps and games. And New Year's Day set a new single-day record at more than $322 million. That is insane amount of... I mean, <laughs> there's thousands, millions of companies that would dream to have this number, you know, to, and, and this was just... This is just a drop in the bucket for Apple. But... 
Um, again, pointing to services doing fairly well. App Store is doing great. People still buying apps. Apple still getting its 30% cut on apps that are being purchased. Um, so, it, you know, it's, it's not all bad. Right. Yeah. And I guess we just kind of have to, you know, we don't pretend to be uh, analysts or uh, uh, even like market industry experts that can predict what's going to happen. And we just kind of want to wait and see, right? Again, just see how Apple responds to probably some of the most adversity it's seen since uh, it released the iPod in 2000. Is it 2001? Did they release the iPod? I feel like it. Uh, I, I feel like it was 2001. That's... Yeah. I've got a pretty good memory for this. You do? <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh, here we go. Yep. The first ever iPod in- introduction was April 3rd. Uh, not April 3rd, but it was in 2001. I'm looking at the date right now. Okay. For those wondering, it was October 23rd, 2001. First iPod. Which is crazy because then you think a year later they were they had that was the last time they had to readjust their uh, their earnings projections uh, was in two thousand two so that was after the iPod after the uh, and after the eMac I think those colorful uh, Mac computers anyways that was a side note uh, but yeah and that was a very different be, Apple yeah very different and so again we're this might change Apple a little bit I don't think it'll change it no like a, it won't be super noticeable it's not like they're gonna start making dishwashers now but. This might change some things uh, for that company, and again, I'm just waiting to see uh, how they how they respond. Yeah, let's finish up. Uh, I w- wanted to mention that uh, this episode of Let's Talk iOS was brought to you by Triple Byte. Applying to programming jobs sucks, you know it. From endless applications to countless hours of technical screenings, with Triple Byte, there is a better way. You do one on nine interview. And then you get to go straight to final interviews at hundreds of companies from tech giants like Dropbox to exciting new startups. It's like the common app for software engineers. No resume needed. Apply now at triplebyte.com slash iOS. That's triplebyte, B-Y-T-E dot com slash iOS. If you take a job for Triplebyte, they'll offer you a $1,000 signing bonus. Uh, triplebyte.com slash iOS. All right, buddy. All right. Uh, I guess we didn't mention that this episode was recorded slightly in advance compared <laughs> to the normal schedule. Uh, we should have mentioned this at the very beginning. Um, yeah. It's recorded on January 4th. It's a Friday. Usually we record this on Mondays. Um, that's because uh, of uh, traveling schedule and stuff like this. I doubt a lot of what we discussed today is going <laughs> to be drastically outdated, obsolete by Monday, <laughs> the usual recording time. Apple makes an announcement on Saturday. They're like, hey, scratch what we said before. We're going to make all the money we thought we were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Would you just press delete on the podcast episode? You're like, we're going to have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um all right scotty i um i'll talk to you well in a week and a half now yep for sure i'll be here